0: Katie Beeston I'm head of business development for the specialist care group and I'm here with Danny Hames head of inclusion for specialist here today. Hi Danny.
1: Oh yeah, hi Katie.
0: Hi. So Danny can you tell us a little bit about your role please and um I guess some of your reflections on the the last 12 months and your future plans please.
1: Yeah, of course. So I'm Danny Hames and my role is as the head of inclusion. So what what that means is I have um, overall responsibility for all of the uh, sort of operations and activities of inclusion. And um, inclusion is is part of the organisation which um, provides um, community drug and alcohol, prison mental health and drug and alcohol treatment services. It also provides sexual health services and uh, IAPT and Recovery College services as well Um, and we work across England so we we have um, primarily sexual health services and prison services within um, Staffordshire and and Shropshire but a large large portion of our services are outside um the uh, MPFT part of the organization that's Staffordshire and Shropshire. So, so in, in that respect, my role is is quite unique. But in terms of what I'm responsible for, so I, I'm, I'm very fortunate and I have a, a strong team who, who work around me, um, but I um, have responsibility for the operational delivery of services and yeah. the quality within that. Um, I am also responsible for um, our ability to deliver and drive change within inclusion, so projects and programs. I also have responsibility for our communication and marketing strategies, um, which are important for inclusion because um, we work predominantly in local authority public health markets which, in terms of community drugs and alcohol particularly, are highly competitive and also I am responsible for um, our data and information that we provide for inclusion and how we use that to demonstrate the, the quality and value of our services but also to use that to demonstrate how we can meet unmet need. My role in terms of the service types we work for also has quite a significant regional and national profile in terms of ensuring that inclusion is, is part of discussions nationally um, and, and in the regions about how these services are organised, commissioned and, and developed. So I, I sit on various um, sort of policy groups and committees across the country as well. Um, and I'm also chair of the NHS Addiction Provider Alliance, which um, I was part of initiating in 2016, which is an alliance of 15 NHS trusts who provide drug and alcohol and addiction services across England and um, the Greater Manchester Health and Social Care Partnership, who are also an associate member of that. So um, I also work um, as, as part of that as as well and also um, I have a role in leading um, a hep C elimination project um, called Hep Culator, which is a national campaign and also a project which is working with those 15 NHS trusts to eliminate Hep C as part of the NHS England Hep C procurement. So my role is broad and, and yep. quite diverse, um, but highly enjoyable.
0: It definitely is, Danny. <laughs> it definitely is. Um, you, you know, you've, you obviously cover such a, like you say, a wide, diverse range of services and obviously across a, a very big geography. So I guess with that in mind, um, having just obviously passed the anniversary of the pandemic, how have yep. you found personally working um, in the way we have been working over the last 12 months? And I guess, how have you had to adapt?
1: Yeah, um, oh dear. It's it's a real mix, as I think for for most people. It it's been a really, really like genuinely mixed experience. Um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I'm 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 sort of really aware of how fortunate I am, you know, in terms of yeah. my own personal circumstances and, you know, and also in my families, as in, you know, we, we haven't had the worry of, you know, us losing our employment. Um, yeah. or any of those worries that I, I think I think many people have had in diff- different ways. And I've been fortunate enough not to have been overly affected by, by COVID in terms of those close to me. So I, I, I sort of always, when talking about these things, just want to really note that about how, how lucky I, I think I am. But it, it's definitely been a challenge. Um, you know, if I, I suppose I speak more now professionally is in, in some ways, the the way that we've had to work, which has been you know much more, for many of us anyway who are able, has been much more home based and working at distance. Actually, is something that I probably, in terms of the organisation, more experienced than than many um, because yeah. you know I, I haven't actually worked in an office for sort of fifteen years now. I think so. I've <laughs> I've worked from home and worked on trains and and all over the all over the place for for a long time. So. This this was an acceleration of, of that, possibly. And actually, in terms of lots of other people starting to work like that, um, it, it's been helpful to share some of my experiences, hints and tips about how you do it well, protect that work-life balance, and I've hopefully made a positive contribution to that. But what has been really difficult at points is... It's particularly in terms of the services of which you know the services I'm responsible for. I've got had a really mixed experience. You know, for for for, for the services in prisons. You know, we we um, very early on did you know work very hard with with colleagues in prisons to actually say, look, you know, we, we need to limit the amount of staff within settings, being, you know, quite robust about doing that, giving people the managers locally the, the power to make those decisions. Um, but there's still people who had to to go in for the most critically ill, ill um residents yeah. within those settings. Um slightly different in community SMS and IAPT where a lot of work could be done online and via the telephone. So the experience has been really mixed, but being not really from my perspective it not being responsible particularly when the pandemic was at its worst to actually go and visit services and see people and see what they're experiencing and not being able to do that really at points at all or or very much has been really really hard because I've always placed a lot of value about just talking to people who are doing the job and, and hearing what's happening and get a sense of what's working and what isn't. So that that's been difficult. We've tried, and I've tried to address that by taking advantage of things like MS Teams and you know, yeah. video conferencing into some virtual team meetings and things like that. But that's been that, that's been that's been difficult, um, and 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 not not what I'd like. And also as a leader, sometimes you want to be visible and you want to be there and you want to be with people. And yeah, uh, you know, it, you know, I, I'm. If I, if I was the person working in the service on, if we call it the front line, and I looked at, oh there's the head of inclusion, you know, I, I'd be like, well, you know, it, it, I'm the one who's having to go in and they're, they're sat there in their office in, you know, Bristol and, you know, it, it's that's mm-hmm. difficult. And I I think one of my my plans as we start to come out of this is, is making a real concerted effort with my other senior colleagues to get out and see people and and um, and and sort of try and rebuild those 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 connections where 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 it's been more difficult, particularly in the prisons.
0: Thanks, Dan. I think that's some really interesting, like you say, differences. Really, I suppose, professionally, personally, um, and obviously your plans going forward. So it's it's really interesting to hear. I guess. So I guess finally, Danny, uh, over the last year, what have you seen as the top three changes across services within inclusion? And I guess what would you want to hold on to in terms of uh, some of the positive changes uh, in m- terms of moving forward.
1: I think well, there were there's so many. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> you know, sort of midway. You've only
0: through,
1: got three. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. Mid midway through the pandemic, we we actually did a piece of work to try and take what learning we could from what was occurring to try and actually capture it as it was happening and it just threw up so many different things it was it was quite remarkable you know the, the the speed and response and flexibility of of everybody was was remarkable um so it's hard to pick three but i will um it you know um i think i think the first one is um Really leading on from my point previously um, and withstanding some some of the caveats around, you know, certain settings where it's harder to do this. But um, there have been some real advantages for for inclusion as, as as an organization that works, you know, from Yorkshire down to the Isle of Wight, you know, over to Essex, over to Staffordshire and Shropshire around actually having a reliable platform like MS Teams just to connect people more. And I think what we've managed to do is use that well amongst sort of some of the core functions and and the managers into services. But I I really want to take advantage of that um, in terms of how do we connect more people into what we are doing and what we're developing so um, for instance we we've got various projects going on on at the moment which are an example of this but you know we we've got a piece of work which is looking at how, how inclusion tackles health inequalities our service user sort of involvement and participation strategy and we we're, we're looking at the concepts and looking at doing round virtual round tables to actually get people you know, from all parts of the organization, um, practitioners through to clinical leads, through to your administrators, you know, to, to come together on a subject they're interested to and talk about um, ideas, solutions, problems. And so, and I, I think MS Teams can really, really help us in doing that. And I think in terms of doing that, we, we need to look at in those settings where it's harder to access that. How do we release people to contribute to that as well? We'll find different ways of doing it. But that emphasis on using technology to create um, engagement and to create connectivity is something I I really want to push and maintain Um, because I also think it can be really helpful in terms of helping people's well-being in terms of feeling like they're part of something but also you know let's be honest saving money and wasted time traveling around the country um which you know can put a stress and strain on people and, and something in inclusion we we've we've had to do often. So I think that's something I, I definitely, definitely want to take forward. But I think the, the second one, and it's sort of the um sort of sort of moves into that quite quite neatly, but is um is also, you know, we we need to be slightly wary of sort of use of technology and digital interventions because also what it's done is it's it's highlighted the, the 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 potential for compounding sort of inequality and lack of access for for some of the people we work with you know what what covid's done for me and the one thing i've taken from it and i'm i'm now trying to really drive forward is it's it's sort of reminded me and i never forgot but it's really reminded me of why why i i did this job in the first place and why why i really am proud to be head of inclusion which is actually we um it's about it's about social justice it's actually you know the specialist group and in, but in inclusion also we work with the most disadvantaged often the most stigmatized groups of patients and service users there are you know um and, you know, what that means is very practically is actually not all our service users can get have a broadband line, can get access to digital technologies, you know. So there's yeah. things we need to think about doing, like getting people tablets, which we have done, and getting them access to, to things. But what what we need to take forward is actually what's really, really important is that we incorporate lots of different ways of engaging with people. And that is digital technologies like video conferencing and, and that type of thing. I mean, MS teams, and we've seen a great expansion of support groups and actually therapeutic groups via that platform. Um, but also things like the telephone. You know, yeah. um, what we've had feedback from service users is um, actually, you know what? Um, getting a regular phone call from my key worker every week via a telephone has been much better than coming in for a monthly one-to-one session. It's been much, much more helpful. Um, we need to maintain that. Um, you know, sexual health services, lifting the cap on the access to online services has, has actually been really beneficial. So it's, for me, it's it's about understanding, and this is really key, is understand this from our patients and service users, is understanding what worked well and what was valuable about what we used to do, what is it we've learned? that we need to keep in terms of how we engage with people, what methods and technologies we use and our frequency, and mold that into a, as I see it, a new sort of blended service offer going forward. But the underlying principle has to be about how do we, how do we drive that and how do we push that through the filter of actually our job is to provide a service to these people, but it's also to advocate and challenge And really, we get really good at saying, these groups of patients are not getting access to general healthcare like they should. They are not getting access to an NHS health check like someone in the, if I can, you know, mainstream population would get it. That's not right. And um, I I think that's a change for me is actually, uh, is galvanizing everybody with inclusion around that purpose because, um, you know, COVID has shown that people die because of inequality and health inequalities and actually we can do our bit to change that. So that's that's really, really important for me um, and, and I'm, I'm now saying about sharing that vision with, with people. Uh, I suppose that was two wasn't it? It was um, two. <laughs> that was two which was, I'm aware I'm going on quite a lot now. I was warned about this.
0: <laughs> um, they were two but they were a fantastic two yeah. set of priorities for the future and very much yeah. service user focus which is absolutely
1: yeah and staff as be. well um yeah you know there's we've got lessons to learn from the staff survey and mm-hmm. COVID has restricted our ability to engage with people but points um but you know we, we, need to, we need to we need to we need to we need to list service users, we need to listen to to, to our teams both paid and unpaid members of staff and then sort of think about okay, well, what's what's happening in terms of policy and what's coming down the line, what a need is there, and sort of amalgamate that together. And if we can yeah. join those things together, we, we we become an unstoppable force for actually change. And um, you know, um, that's that's my that's my vision. But we'll we'll see.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Danny Hames. That was very insightful, very interesting to hear about your future priorities and i guess your reflections thanks very much danny
1: all right thanks thanks katie nice to speak to you thank you and you bye <laughs>